Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, Binaural Production Engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, click on the PayPal button, and you can donate there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is Preston Dennett. Thank you for coming back. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks very much. So, what's going on in Malibu? Ah, Malibu anomaly. (laughs) Yes, I've been doing a lot of research on this thing. Yeah, this is something that's been garnering national headlines, actually, for quite some time. It's this giant massive megalithic stone structure just off the coast of Malibu. And uh, it's pretty well known, actually. Um, Images have been circulating around on the internet for quite some time. For those who don't know about it, it's, it's got a huge flat top. It's got what look like columns or pillars, has what appears to be a tunnel leading inland very large and it's right in the center of a massive hot spot for ufo activity and particularly uso activity unidentified submersible objects hmm. uh, so i have documented some 150 cases of ufos and usos and uh started really digging deep into this and uh I don't know. I'm a little bit on the fence about what this actually is. I can tell you that uh, there are some very strange things about it. Uh, A lot of researchers have looked into it. It is located on what's called Sycamore Knoll, Mm -hmm. which is a thrust earthquake fault. And skeptics say, no, there's nothing to this. Uh, It's not natural. And that some of the Google images do not show any tunnel whatsoever. And I have to say that's true. That's absolutely true. But it's pretty easy to pick and choose which Google images you want to use to support your theory. uh, Because most of these images do show what appears to be a tunnel. And what keeps me really intrigued about this particular anomaly, as it's called, is the fact that I kind of predicted it. I was, I've been researching USOs off the Southern California coast for over a decade. I mean, seriously, since 1986, 88, mm-hmm. I've been getting reports of USOs in this area. And I started to look into it when I wrote UFOs over California and uh, actually included a whole chapter on ocean going UFOs because I, knew that all, much without exception, have cases. Ann Druffel, Robert Stanley, Bill Hamilton, Yvonne Smith, Barbara Lamb. I mean, they all have cases. <laughs> and I eventually 
put them all on a map and sort of you know pinpointed them on this map and they're all located right here in the Santa Catalina Channel. It's a pretty defined area between Catalina Island and the mainland, mm-hmm. sort of from Santa Barbara on the north end, south going all the way down to San Pedro's, you know, even farther, San Clemente. So it's a sharply defined area with an enormous number of sightings. That was my first data point. Uh, second was some of these cases involved not one or two objects coming out of the water or even 10 or 20, and there's a bunch of those. But more than that, 30, 40, and a wow. few cases. Yeah, a few cases involving over 100 objects. And uh, yeah, I got one of those in 1992. And that is when I first thought, hmm, is there a base? Could there actually be a base down here? And I had a few contactees tell me they thought there was. Hmm. And one guy who was taken from Catalina Island had missing time, uh, later went under hypnosis, recalled not being taken inside a UFO, but to a underground base rock walls, the whole deal. So I started to really build sort of a convincing case, I think, for the possibility of some sort of base. I predicted it would be somewhere off the coast of Malibu. And it was, I think, uh, 2006, around there when Robert Stanley actually contacted me through email and said, look, Here's this weird structure off the coast. I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) And uh, yeah, you can see it has this really flat looking, almost polished top to it. And you can go up and down the coast looking for similar images and you won't find anything quite like this. And it was a few years later when Jimmy Church sort of used Google applications to uh, get different viewpoints of this looking sort of more directly at it. And that's when he got images of what appears to be this tunnel and the columns, uh, you know, these uh, giant pillar type things really became much more prominent looking. So yeah, this case continues to develop weird radio signals coming out of it. Uh, That was pretty interesting. Most recent. Who picked them up? Who lived in the area. Mm-hmm. Ham radio operator. Oh, what was his name? Elder? Some, I forget his name. Uh, but at any rate, uh, he kept picking them up and he sort of triangulated it and was coming directly from this same spot. Very strange. And there are a few whistleblower accounts, I should say. Uh, one guy contacted me, says, you know about the tunnels in this area? And I'm like, no, tell me. <laughs> I know this guy's for real. I've verified his employment. He's given me information, which has turned out to be true in the past. And uh, he said, yeah, there is tunnels leading from Area 51 to Edwards Air Force Base to the Santa Catalina Channel. And he's not the only guy who's told me this. And here's this tunnel. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm. Probably the most interesting and recent thing I've learned about all of this comes from, of all people, Merrill Fankhauser, who is a very famous musician. He wrote the song Wipeout. Oh, yeah. And uh, really nice guy. Um, he actually incorporated these, uh, these weird beeping tones coming from Malibu into his recent music. 
um, what is it called? The Malibu Dome and signals from the base or something <laughs> like that. So, but he contacted me again. You know, I spoke with him. He got involved in the story because uh, I found out years ago, he was asked by his friends to go down to Malibu and watch these objects coming in and out of the water. And he didn't go see them, unfortunately, but certainly heard about the activity. And so I asked him, you know, if I could talk to him and include his story. And he's like, sure, of course. Well, he contacts me later. And uh, this is after, you know, I wrote a whole book on this uh, topic, which was, you know, not that long ago. It's a couple, a year or two ago. And uh, he says, I've got some interesting news for you. And I'm like, what, what? Uh, well, it turns out he had gone to Las Vegas and talked to a Chumash Native American elder. And the Chumash are the part of the Gabrielano Indians. Uh, they lived off the coast of Malibu, or not in the Malibu area, mm -hmm. the whole four centuries, thousands of years. And uh, they have a long oral tradition of you know, star people and all of this. And Merrill Fankhauser is talking to this guy, the subject of UFOs comes up, and they're talking about it. And... Uh, he brought up the Malibu anomaly. And this Native American elder said, oh, yeah, we know about it. We know about it, and we did not build it. So that piqued my interest uh, because uh, it was built, that it was an artificial structure. Mm -hmm. And he said, in fact, the sea level used to be much lower um, several hundred years ago, thousands and it was low enough where they could actually sit on the edge of this thing and fish off the edge of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, and I mentioned one guy being taken to this underground area in Catalina Island. It's not the only case like that. There are a couple of others. So this could very well be an undersea UFO base. I am not going to rule it out. But mm, I just don't have the proof yet. Um, another thing that did happen with this was, you may remember, there was a reality TV show with Rob Lowe and his two sons where they would go across the U.S. and the world investigating Bigfoot and mm -hmm. UFOs, hotspots, and so forth. Well, they decided to do the Malibu Anomaly, and they hired a submersible, a crew, and actually sent a submersible down to the Malibu anomaly. And it's the only uh, instance I know of where somebody's actually gone down there and done this. Can you it's, see the footage of it? Yeah, yeah, you sure can. This is online. Unfortunately, this is a reality TV show. <laughs> so they go there for one, two days, maybe a week, and uh, you know, spend just a little bit of time there little bit of money but they did it they actually sent something down there and it crawled over the top of the dome they didn't see anything that would say ah oh, this is artificially constructed but then again how would you know i mean what are you going to find nails rivets uh but they tried to look at the uh pillars in the tunnel and uh they were there but the visibility was so bad the light levels were so low that they couldn't really come to any solid conclusions. Um, I will say that MUFON did join the hunt 
was part of this whole thing. And uh, after looking at all the evidence and viewing the Google images, they said, well, these Google images are unreliable. So if they show a tunnel, you cannot rely on these being actual tunnel. And for that reason, we think that this is a natural formation. And that was their conclusion. My question is like, hold on a second. <laughs> Didn't you just say these images are unreliable? <laughs> so you're basing your conclusions on unreliable evidence. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't have your cake and eat it too. No. Uh, which I hate that saying, but... <laughs> 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 but uh, I mean, seriously, this is this is my problem. It's like people are picking and choosing which evidence they want to support their theory and that's not true science mm -hmm. so there are some people who fall on the side of skepticism some who are like no this is absolutely a ufo base and me personally i'm leaning towards that i have to say simply because of the huge number of encounters in this area right but i can't i can't prove it i'm mean, how can you prove anything in this field it's really hard <laughs> yeah it definitely is. So, you know, I've heard about these tunnels from Area 51 to Edwards to, I guess, I've never heard of, it goes to Dulce or, yep. and, but I never heard that it went to this base off of Malibu. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about where um, these stories about those tunnels came from? Yeah, well, I heard them first from a retired Navy military guy who was actually pretty high in rank. He had a secret clearance, equivalent of a sergeant. Uh, he ended up getting injured and uh, was honorably discharged. Mm -hmm. So that's why I first heard it. Um, heard it from some other sources who I'm not personally connected to, uh, but I started to look more deeply into it. And uh, one guy who researched it extensively is Richard Sauter, who wrote a really uh, um, interesting book. I highly recommend it called Underground UFO Bases. He expanded it to, to include underground and undersea UFO bases. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got some pretty good evidence of tunnels crisscrossing all across the United States. And uh, if you research this, there's quite a bit of evidence supporting it. We do have this ability. We've got giant digging machines. Uh, look at the channel that goes underneath the English channel uh, connecting England to you know, France. Uh, that is proof that we do have this ability. Uh, and we know for sure that there are vast underground bases such as the Cheyenne Mountain Complex and yeah. uh, many, many reports that, uh, of course, Area 51 goes many stories underground. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Area 51, multiple independent reports that that goes some 50 stories or so underground. So <laughs> um, I think all these whistleblower accounts are really starting to add up. Um, Chase Kloetsky was one of the MUFON people involved in investigating the Malibu anomaly. And she actually contacted Port Wainimi Naval Base, Point Magoo Naval Base, and asked them about it. And they said, we are aware of the rumors of the undersea base, and they're not true. Well, of course they're going to say that. 
Um, have they ever been truthful or transparent about the UFO subject? No, they haven't been. And we know this. I mean, every time you try to get government documents out of these guys, they're completely blacked out. Hmm. So we can't rely on government sources to verify this. Uh, but the whistleblowers certainly are saying there's something to it. Do you, I mean, I heard a story that these tunnels contain some type of rail system where people would go into like these capsules and they would shoot them somehow. It was like a pressurized system. And, like, and it went like, like, like super fast. You know how you could put that thing in a suction tube in the bank and it sucks it up? <laughs> yeah. And I heard it was like something like that that could transport people really quickly underground. Have you heard that? Yeah, I have heard that. Um, that's one of those things that's so hard to verify. Um, but amazing if it's true. Um, because we don't have anything like that. I mean, we have our high-speed maglev trains and things like that. So the technology is there. Uh, but I've heard various things about these tunnels. Some say that some of these tunnels are underwater and they're wide enough to put two large submarines side by side. Others are supposedly, you know, have air in them and they are wide enough to take helicopters inside. Hmm. Uh, so one thing I think we can confidently say <laughs> is that there is a vast underground complex going on of sort of a, almost a second United States. I mean, seriously, <laughs> uh, underground cities. Uh, I talked to one guy and he's like, yeah, Area 51 has an underground city with some 10,000 people in it. I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> or to get all those people. Unless they're cloning. Oh, are you kidding? There's so many people <laughs> um, on this planet, and uh, people are disappearing all the time. Uh, there's you know, the brain drain. Have you heard of that? Scientists oh. disappearing. Um, yeah, that ha there was a bunch of that going on back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I've, I got involved in this field. I was pretty naive. I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, wow, UFOs, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then I find out, well, what? There's a government cover-up? You know, what, they're, they're spending our tax dollars on this? There's a huge black budget. that is, Apparently, a lot of it's being funneled towards this subject. I like the research of um, Michael Schratt. Um, he's really looked deeply into this. He's a very facts-only kind of researcher which I love mm -hmm. it's so easy to speculate. And I hate to speculate in this field because boom, there, there's rabbit holes on every side and you will be sucked down into them <laughs> faster than uh, you can see. So, so I don't know. I think it, there's just so much what I would call circumstantial and corroborative evidence to all of this that there's got to be something to it. Well, I'm sure they have underground bases because that's the best place to hide stuff to keep things secret, especially from satellites. So, I, I mean, I definitely believe that the military is using these underground facilities. Um, the idea of them connecting different uh, military bases makes sense, too, because that would be a good way to transport things without them detecting them. Um, 
are the but but ten thousand people in one base that is a lot of people unless they're really not people you know uh, what well, I mean? I mean it, either either it's all ets or some people in ets or maybe a colony of hybrids of something that's what some of the whistleblower reports say i am not sure that that's true or not that's certainly not unique that's been reported at edwards that was reported at rendlesham uh i don't know uh this could be misinformation or disinformation mm -hmm. Uh, which is definitely a possibility because uh, certainly we know there's lots of misinformation in this field. You just have to take one look at Facebook. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> too much. But as far as, you know, with that number of people, well, these military bases are huge. They are actual cities. I would point towards Fort Benning. It is massive. Uh, the military employs an enormous number of people. Uh, this is where a large portion of our national budget goes to. So it doesn't surprise me one bit to hear something like this. Uh, I don't know. The truth will come out one day. Our military has a ten tendency to cover stuff up. Uh, that's kind of been their policy with this subject in particular, but really across the board. Uh, for, I think in many cases, good reason. But I don't know. I mean, like, take take this recent incident. This is something that's been in the news lately. Was the, what was it, the USS Connecticut? Um, a nuclear submarine that collided with a USO. This was October 10th, was it? Uh, it was national headlines. And it didn't really reach the mainstream news. But it's certainly all over the UFO community. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I actually, I actually missed that. Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm surprised because uh, there's been quite a bit of discussion about this. It's been a real hot button topic, uh, and it couldn't be covered up because the submarine itself was pretty damaged. Uh, some eight or nine sailors were injured, not not seriously, and they had to put a statement out. And they said they struck something, and we don't know what it is. And of course, UFO researchers immediately latched onto USOs, whereas the military is saying, well, it could have been a sunken ship, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because ships don't really float after they sink. Uh, and they're like, well, maybe it was a, car you know, a cargo container that had been dropped off of a ship. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because... Uh, what cargo container? I mean, no. Have, if that that was the case, um, certainly we would have reports of a ship who had lost cargo containers, and we don't. Uh, and what I find super fascinating about this was that this was a nuclear submarine, and I know for a fact I've got many cases myself, and this is all over the. I mean, this is sort of a big part of cutting edge of ufo research right now is the ufo's interest in anything nuclear yes there was that recent uh press conference or press briefing with mike or uh captain robert salas mm -hmm. and a bunch of other experts about this sort of thing exactly uh the malmstrom air force base incident 
you know, and all the other incidents where they've hovered over nuclear power stations, nuclear missile bases, and activated our missiles or shut them down or um, ho hovering over anything nuclear. Um, I've got my own cases of this. Uh, I talked to a guy who was on the USS Klamagor, which carried nuclear-tipped missiles, and they had a major USO incident. That was back in 1971. True, but uh, this is ongoing and continuing. So when I found out that the USS Connecticut was a nuclear-powered sub, I'm like, well, here we go. Probably, you know, UFO, USOs are keeping close watch on it. It's entirely possible this was a USO. I don't think we can rule it out. I don't think the government is going to admit it, even if it was. Hmm. Uh, but it's a current event, and it fits right in the pattern of all the stuff that's going on. Uh, yeah, the ETs are absolutely concerned about our use of nuclear materials. Yeah, I think that's because if we blow things up, it'll probably affect them also. Yep, that's what they've told contactees. This is one of the number one message. I remember there was a case I found very fascinating, <laughs> uh, which occurred like the day before the Phoenix Lights. Uh, I believe this was in Nevada. A guy's driving along, sees a UFO, and gets out of his car to look at it. Next thing he knows, he's inside it. And there's these little grays, and they're showing him all these screens and uh, with little maps on them. And there are little red dots. And they said, these are all your military bases. And we have the power to shut down all your missiles at any time. Um, this is very dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Was, you know, they were going on about this sort of thing, uh, which is turns up again and again. So this is a very common message for contactees. And uh, my favorite incident of this kind, of course, is the Malmstrom Air Force Base incident, um, which Robert Salitz wrote about in his book, Faded Giant. And I love this case because I, you know, my latest book, Wondrous, I got to include a first-hand whistleblower account by Mel Hansen, mm -hmm. um, who I corresponded with personally. And uh, he saw this incident being publicized on television <laughs> and thought, oh, I guess it's okay to talk about and uh, told me a really interesting story. He was there. He was there when these UFOs showed up at Malmstrom and shut nearly 20 ICBM nuclear tipped intercontinental ballistic missiles, shut them down, rendered them inoperative. And this is a much bigger deal than you might think, because uh, this is not easy to do. These are all independent systems. These missiles are not connected to each other. They're all independent. And uh, they all have fail safes and backups. For example, you know, I, talking to this guy, Mel, he actually saw the UFO hovering over the nuclear site. He was there, it was at night, saw this huge object, very low, blotting out the stars, totally silent. It shuts down the missile, he said. And of course, the missile goes up on uh, backup generator power. Uh, and uh, short time later, moments, it shuts down again. 
and the second failsafe comes on. There's a battery power. And moments later, it shuts off again. <laughs> and that's it. It was offline for almost a day. So I personally think that this is a clear message from the ETs saying, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> Nuclear power is dangerous. Uh, whereas the military, the mucky mucks mm -hmm. up at the top are clearly, I mean, I can see why viewing this as a, a threat. Uh, but I don't know, that's fear-based thinking. Because if it was truly a threat, they could have just destroyed them. Yes. Or they, or they could have, you know, killed people. <laughs> yeah, they have uh, the ability to turn them off. They have the ability to do a whole lot more. Right. And they didn't. And in fact, they didn't harm them. They just turned them off. Uh, so they could have like fried the electronics mm -hmm. and rendered them, you know, caused millions or billions really of dollars worth of damage. But they didn't do that. They allowed us to continue to foolishly keep these nuclear weapons. So to me, that's not a threat. Uh, but yeah, this threat narrative is just starting to really get put forth by yeah. And I don't trust it. I don't think it's warranted. So one of the things that where I had trouble putting certain things together is we, we have these underground bases. There's a lot of people in them. It seems like they're working with ETs. So the government must, must know about them and be working with them. But on the other hand, we have ETs turning off nuclear missiles, which almost... They almost seem like opposite, like 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 two different groups of ETs or two different object objectives. Like like how how does how how do you put those two things together into something that's a coherent? Yeah, narrative. Motive? Yeah, narrative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do how do we reconcile this? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to reconcile. Uh, it could be different ET UFO groups, but as near as I can tell, these guys all work in concert together. The greys, the praying mantis, the human lookings, the strange humanoids. These guys are very telepathic. It's pretty apparent they know what each other is doing, to say, to say the least. I did talk to a contactee who's like, hmm. All these reports of military working with ETs are overblown, and a lot of it is disinformation. Uh, she says that the ETs do not work with a military that is so aggressive and warlike. Uh, so I don't know. She could be right. Hard to say. Well, that does uh, make sense because, you know, the military would not want to admit that there's something outside of their control. So they would rather have people believe that they're working with them. Yeah. I don't know. It's one thing I do know is that we can't trust our own government on this subject. Mm -hmm. We just can't. Their, their record is dismal. It's worse. It's heinous. I love that word. <laughs> Describes it perfectly. It's heinous. <laughs> they're just, I, I hate to say it, uh, but their record is just not good. Uh, I mean, the Citizens Against UFO Secrecy cause years ago sued the National Security Agency 
to try to get documents. And uh, the lawsuit was unsuccessful. And the documents were received, but they were almost completely blacked out. And the judge who viewed them said that the release of these documents, uh, the danger of is you know, far outweighed um, the importance of having them released. So I'm not sure what he saw in these documents, but I'm thinking from a military standpoint, uh, they're very concerned about how powerful these ETs are and their ability to, you know, overpower us. Uh, then again, I think the real ET threat is to the military power structure. Uh, honestly, I think that's why they're putting this narrative forth, because if they cannot call ETs a threat, well, then what do we need them for? If we could have a world that's based on love and truth and cooperation and peace, actual peace on Earth, uh, they would be out of a job. Mm -hmm. you know, the, so who do you think the underground bases belong to military or ets or do you think both like do both have separate th uh bases um like like what, what do you think is going on there um it wouldn't surprise me a bit if the ets have stations around our planet i'm not sure if they necessarily even need that with their hugely technologically advanced ability to travel wherever they want uh, but it's clear, you know, we have our government, our elected government, presidents, senators, and so forth. Uh, but the military is not elected. No. These are people who, you know, are in for life if they want. And if you look into who's running the country, it's not even just the military. It's the military industrial complex. Yes. It's the banking industry. It's the insurance industry. It's the Food and Drug Administration. It's all these people who aren't elected officials. Uh, it's the highest levels of the Navy and the Air Force and the Army. Uh, it's the Pentagon. It's these people who are the one percenters even, the super duper rich. Uh, that's what it looks like we're dealing with here. And to have 90 to 95, 99% of the wealth locked up in just a few families, you know, a couple of hundred, couple of thousand people makes zero sense. How is that good for humanity? It's not. I mean, it makes no sense at all. And uh, I think that's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> Uh, element on our planet that does not have the best interests of humanity in mind. Uh, so mm, it's a delicate situation, to say the least. One thing I do th am, am hopeful about is that we are not alone in this universe, that we are dealing with a very powerful, vast ET presence who seems to be watching things very closely intervening on a very large scale basis, albeit sort of uh, discreetly. Uh, but I look at the hundreds of U schoolyard UFO cases where they're hovering over schools and announcing their presence. The, the giant waves of sightings like 
Gulf Breeze or Hudson Valley or Phoenix Lights and so forth. Um, they are taking all lots of people on board, not just a few. Uh, UFO, you know, onboard UFO encounters may seem rare and are not getting much publicity, but they are wide, widespread. Mm -hmm. um, we know this. It's not hard to find people who have had this experience. Back when I got involved in research, I heard a quote from Jalen Hynek. One in 40 people have been taken on board. <laughs> I thought, no, no, no way. I would know people who've been taken on board a UFO. Turned out I did. I did not have to ask 50 people, 40 people. Uh, so I think this is far more widespread. My point is here we have the ETs again intervening in human affairs on a large scale basis. And I trust them far more than I trust our own government, who we know has hurt people, who we know are selling weapons to both sides, starting wars, who we know have fed hallucinogenics to people unaware, sterilized people without their permission, have done horrible things. Uh, ETs don't do that. ETs are not killing people. I don't have any accounts of that, them torturing or hurting people on purpose or anything like this. They are healing people. I, I'm not going to say everyone's experience is pleasant or benevolent, but I think most probably are. Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious about some of these accounts, which are horrific. And if this is what you know, Stephen Greer is alluding to when he called, talks about my labs, military abductions, uh, and that some of this is being done by our military to make ETs look like monsters, which I don't think they are. I really don't. That's my personal assessment based on my years of research. But I will say it's the same conclusion Dolores Cannon came to. Mm -hmm. Same conclusion Barbara Lamb has come to. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at Bud Hopkins' research, I like his research. It's it's objective. Mm -hmm. well, um, I, was John... I was recently talking to uh, he's sort of a, a mutual friend between you know of ours is was um, uh, Reverend Michael Carter and you know his story on how they healed him. Yeah, healed him of a blood clot. Yeah, amazing. And uh, I know of other cases of healed people healed of blood clots. I could go down a long list of people they've healed. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I love Michael Carter. Me too. So, He's great. What's interesting about him is like, why? I was wondering, you know, he was one of the clues, like, who's being healed? I mean, why him? Um, well, he's an award-winning social rights worker, a healer, a really nice man doing great work for humanity, yeah. educating people, um, got, you know, awards from President Clinton for his fights against racism. And lo and behold, ETs come down and help him. Hmm, that's interesting. I started going through all the cases of people who've been healed. And I think I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Uh, they are a lot of social workers, a lot of doctors, natural healers, teachers, musicians, 
it's funny, Miley Cyrus and uh, Demi Lovato recently came forth like, I saw ETs. I'm like, yeah, you did. You're musicians. They love musicians. John Lennon, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, you, there is a long list uh, of musicians who have claimed encounters. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me at all. I think the ETs are helping people who are helping others. This is another one of the many data points that I can point to towards why I am very encouraged about who these guys are and what their agenda is on our planet. Me too. Me too. Like, like, like you know, just talking to uh, Michael Carter is an amazing experience in a way. Is is kind of healing. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I totally agree. It's funny. I've talked to a lot of contactees, and they're such nice people. <gasps> they're really kind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the vast majority of them are keeping quiet until at least recently, because it's been a pretty hostile environment for people who step forward and talk about UFOs. <laughs> Uh, not anymore. <laughs> it's really interesting to see this stuff being discussed in the mainstream news programs. I am excited. NASA, this is another recent development. The head of NASA is talking openly about UFOs hmm. and discussing the many, many sightings. And, uh, you know, he was just going down this whole list. And then he says, but we don't know what they are. <laughs> I bust out laughing out loud to myself uh, because, wait, wait, you don't know what they are? <laughs> sure, sure you don't know. You're the head of NASA. You're mm -hmm. out exploring space. Don't tell me you don't know what they are. You know. You know. Uh, so I'm hoping that one of these days we'll get a straight answer instead of never a straight answer. NASA, mm -hmm. get it? And ASA, never a straight answer. <laughs> <laughs> so back to sort of like the uh, the underground bases, what is your opinion of the base in Antarctica? Um, I don't know. I haven't gotten any firsthand information about this. I have heard reports of, you know, Nazis going up there and so forth and hiding out. Uh I'm a little skeptical. I'm putting it on the back burner because uh, I don't want to underestimate <laughs> the power of you know people to do this sort of thing um, or underestimate nefarious activities. I think that would be a mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, but at this point, until we have really solid evidence, I mean, the whole Admiral Byrd story is very interesting. Why are they sending up so many troops up there? Yeah, yeah. You I tried know, to get his niece on my show, but I've been unsuccessful. Oh, too bad. What that was his been niece, great niece. I think it was his great niece. Something like that. With some yeah. one of his family members. I believe he has a nephew floating around too, hmm. um, who did wrote an article for a magazine that I read some years ago, uh, and he was talking all about this sort of thing. Yeah, there could be something to it, for sure. Um, it's interesting that there's a sort of a international cooperative when it comes to Antarctica. No one really owns it. So uh, I had a guest on who 
says he was at the base in Antarctica, that he got there through a submarine that went under the ice, went into the base, and that there was different levels to it. And he said the top level was all Nazi stuff, was like a regular submarine base, you know, dock. Then he said there was a second level where they went down, and it was like more like Viking type of relics there. And then he said there was a hole, a big pit, that went like a hundred miles down into the earth. And he said that, um, I think the, the person that he, only person that he said that he knows who went down that hole was Edgar Mitchell. Oh, wow. And uh, he believes, they, believes that there's something down there that is in a state of homeostasis or like, you know, like, you know, cryogenically frozen, something like that. Um, that's maybe been there forever, you know, for, for a long, long time. Right. I wonder about the whole hollow earth accounts. I don't think the earth is like, you know, hollow, like a gumball by any means. Uh, but I'm sure there's some large cavities. Yeah. It could be very much honeycombed. I mean, it's pretty clear from science that there's a mag, you know, an iron core and a, um, otherwise, we wouldn't have a magnetic field mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. But the the number of cases involving you know these underground vast caverns, they're all over the place. There's a lot of accounts of this. Uh, so I wonder about it for sure. Uh, I think there's a lot that we're not being told about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so unfortunate. I just wish we had more truth fullness and transparency. I think the only reason our government and governments across the world are becoming more forthcoming with this is because they have to. They have been put into a corner. They, If they do not start disclosing, they're going to lose complete control of the situation because so many whistleblowers have come out and said, lie, lie, lie. <laughs> no, this is what's going on. If our governments don't disclose, they're going to look like idiots. No one will ever believe anything they have to say. And I think so they're, they're probably being forced into this kicking and screaming because a lot of these recent leaks are precisely that, leaks. Mm-hmm. You know, the tic-tac footage and so forth. Um, we're not, this wasn't necessarily put through official government channels. <laughs> uh so they're having to make statements and having to sort of backpedal and explain this away as best as they can. And, what do you uh, think of that guy? I can't think of his name right now. I'm sure you know who he is because he was on Cosmic Disclosure and he talked about the secret space program and, and you know he was dissecting different pieces of alien flesh or body parts. I'm not sure who you're talking about. Corey Good, Lou Elizondo. It wasn't Corey um, Good. I mean, Corey Good had a similar thing. Um, geez, I can't think of his name right now. Did, but do you think there's anything to those type of accounts? Eesh, I haven't gotten any. You know, I've t- so I don't know, and I'm very, you know, reluctant to just jump down that rabbit hole because I know that there's disinformation in this field. That's what I wonder Um, too. I wonder if this whole thing is 
just staged to make these people believe that that's what they're doing and what they want them to tell this story. Yeah, I mean, look at the whole Richard Doty story. Uh, he was recently on J.J. Abrams' uh, show and uh, talks about you know the whole thing with, uh, gosh, what was that poor gentleman who was deceived badly, ended up committing suicide. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, there's there's obvious disinformation in this field. We know this. And I am very concerned about it. Uh, there's so much disinformation that it is all, it's getting to a point where it's almost impossible to sift through. There's all this UFO footage. It's just garbage. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is burying all the excellent UFO footage that's out there because everyone has cell phones now. And you know that a percentage of these uh, videos that we're seeing are real, but you can't tell. How could you tell with all of this other stuff, you know, burying it? And uh, it's really unfortunate. That's why I always look at any UFO footage with a ton of salt. And unless the person is willing to stand by their footage with their name and give an eyewitness account and hopefully have other witnesses, it's, um, I don't want to say worthless, but it's not super useful at this point because we're dealing with such a huge disinformation machine with an unlimited budget. Uh, this is a, almost a crisis situation. I mean, it's, this is bad news for us. This is the worst part of the UFO field, in my opinion, is this cover-up. It's the cutting edge of UFO research, this whole disclosure movement. As, long, as well as, I think, the CE5 movement, calling UFOs down and initiating contact, mm -hmm. as well as the whole contactee movement, people who have been taken on board. This is where we're seeing the most developments in this field. This is where we're making real progress. So I think disclosure will happen, whether it's by a whistleblower, whether it's through a CE5 group calling down UFOs in a very public way, um, or, or the ETs themselves coming down saying, we've had enough. <laughs> uh, I mean, so if, it, it, if disclosure happened, do you think everybody would believe it anyway? Or do you think it's just going to be sort of like the same? Like those of us who are ready to accept this as truth will accept it, and those who are not ready to accept it will just deny it. Uh, there's going to be some people who won't accept it, period. Right. Um, I mean, I've talked to people who've seen UFOs. You know, there's one lady I interviewed, she and her best friend, and their mom, her mom, was were followed by a UFO. They had missing time. I interviewed all three of them. And the mother was profoundly skeptical of UFOs. And uh, she's describing it. She says, I don't believe in UFOs. I'm like, just tell me what you saw. She says, well, it was a saucer. It had colored lights on it. It was silent. It was you know, hovering <laughs> over the telephone wires. It followed us home, blah, blah, blah. And after you know, every couple of sec sentences that she said, she says, but just so you know, I don't believe in this stuff. I don't believe in UFOs. And uh, she came away from a very profound UFO encounter with the unwilling 
to believe her own eyes. Uh, so I think some people are sort of married to their belief system, which I understand. I was a skeptic when I came to this field. And being pulled out of that belief system was extremely painful. Thankfully, I was a young man, so perhaps I wasn't completely set in stone. But if you're like profoundly religious, perhaps, or extremely scientifically minded, because science can become something of a closed system. Yes. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. if you look at the stars, the stars are so far away. And if you're thinking, oh, well, there's just no way we can travel between the stars. Certainly not how we travel using propellants. There's no way. And the closer you reach the speed of light, the higher your mass becomes. And even if you were to travel the speed of light, it's not fast enough to, mm -hmm. to effectively do uh, interstellar travel. So we have a whole segment of the scientific population who have put their blinkers on. They're blinded. They will not look at the evidence. It can't be true because it can't happen. Right. But there is the speed of thought. <laughs> yes. And everything seems to be consciousness. <laughs> yes. Yes. I totally agree. And I think science is coming around to this. And at some point... I think it's unavoidable. I think, <laughs> right? I, I think that conclusion may happen in our lifetimes. <laughs> Yeah, this the idea of UFOs and UFO presence. I mean, it is real. If you look into this phenomenon as an objective scientific person, I think you cannot come away unconvinced that there's something to it. You can't hide the sky. No. Um, there, the so-called UFO cover-up is leaking all over the place, and the leaks are so numerous it's become a flood. Mm -hmm. We are being flooded by truth. Uh, and disinformation for that matter, but it's reached a sort of a threshold, I think. We're at that 100th monkey point where it, this idea is resonating throughout society. There's very few people on this planet who don't know what a UFO is. And you can call it unidentified, but when someone says UFO, it doesn't mean an unknown object flying in the sky. Someone says, I saw a UFO. They're basically saying, I saw an alien craft. And uh, that theory, and I hate to even call it a theory, is overwhelmingly dominant. This is what people think UFOs are. And I think the evidence speaks for itself. This idea has come, <laughs> and it's not going away. I think we're so close. All we need is a sitting world leader to say it or a government to just officially say yep we've got it here's the craft you want to see it come on that could very well happen it wouldn't surprise me if it did i don't think it's going to be the u.s no. um, or russia or china or england but it could be you know france could be canada could be chile could be brazil could be Mexico. Yeah, those are the two people that I always put, what you say, it's like either Chile or Mexico. Yeah, Chile's got an official government body. Yeah. Fairly transparent. Uh, I don't know how transparent they are or if they actually have the UFO hardware. Uh, but 
Mm. There's a lot of it floating around. It's not just Roswell. We know that. <laughs> uh, so uh, at some point, there's just going to, it's going to come out in the open. Someone's going to sneak out some of this hardware out of a military base. Uh, I think it's the old school, you know, passes off into the great beyond. And these younger folks who have grown up knowing UFOs are real, we're going to start to see a sea change, a real shift, a paradigm shift. And yeah, I also think the ETs know what they're doing and are sort of waiting for us to get to a point where society won't completely explode if they were to land. And, and uh, I think a disclosure event could convince the entire population if it's done correctly. If something were to hover over a major city center, Paris, New York, you know, Dallas, Chicago. It's already happened in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C. Yep, that was way back in the 50s mm -hmm. when but we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> there was the Battle of L.A. Right. Yep. I talked to some first-hand witnesses to that, by the way. It was not a blimp. It wasn't Japanese aircraft. <laughs> wasn't a balloon uh, and uh, recently documents have come out saying that we actually grounded a few of these craft too, one in the mountains and one in the water. So that could be something that predates Roswell by what's, you know, four or five years. Mm -hmm. uh, so battle of LA. Yeah. That was a big event that was seen by many, many, many people if that were to happen now. <laughs> I would be outside there, man. Um, that it's gonna be like that. What's that movie with uh, signs? Remember that movie? Mm -hmm. uh, which started out really good. Actually, was a really good movie, but it turned into sort of a horror flick. Yeah. Um, but I thought, wow, you know, that could be very much how it goes down with all the channels saying, "Look, there's UFOs over." five you know 20 major cities what are they and they're staying there and i don't i think we're probably wiser than to act like we did back in the 50s and chase after them and yeah. try to shoot them down um, there are account <laughs> i hope so because <laughs> we tried to shoot them down in the vietnam war and there's a bunch of accounts of them swallowing up the missiles and shooting them back at us they will defend themselves yeah uh, so, and they have such advanced technology that I, I don't think that they're too worried. I don't know though. There's a lot of UFO crashes also. <laughs> so, and people often ask me like, if they're so damn advanced, you know, why are they crashing? And uh, that's a good question. Do you think it's because they're, you know, us using some type of microwave technology that's making them crash? I mean, that, that's the rumor that I've heard. Yeah, I heard that that was one of the things that happened in the, what's the Brookhaven, New York crash? He's a particle beam weapon. Mm -hmm. um, and the Roswell crash, it's some of the stories coming out are that our radar systems interfered with their navigation and brought it down. Uh, I think it's possible that some of these are not crashes as we would think of it, but deliberately 
brought down by military forces. But I always wonder about that because uh, these guys are advanced, and if they can take someone out of a, you know, an apartment building, a hotel, out of a moving train, out of, you know, a crowded suburb, what's to stop them from scooping up a craft that came down? Uh, or maybe the crafts that we're retrieving, or the crafts that come down, are like some type of drone craft. Yeah, you know, well, something got... something that's disposable to them. But even so, do they really want that technology in the hands of a military that is so aggressive? And a lot of these crashes do have reports of ET bodies in them. Yeah, that's true. Um, some people have reported, well, maybe they're just gifting it to us. This is a serious theory that people, a number of researchers have brought up. Like they're just giving them to us to help us evolve with our technology. Uh, which, you know, I mean, these are all theories. Uh which we can't completely discard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the fact is, these crash retrievals do occur. They are in large numbers. And my guess is that there's a couple of reasons for this. One is because there are an enormous number of UFOs darting around all the time. Uh, it's not just one or two sightings per day. We know this because of the New Fork and MUFON get you know a, a dozen reports a day or more. And we know that only one ten reports, one in a hundred. So we can safely conclude that there are hundreds of reports going on daily. And uh, that would mean they're swarming around our planet. And from what I've understood, talking to contactees, is these craft operate on a principle of using our gravitational waves, our magnetic sheets that are flowing around in quite mercurial ways. I mean, it's not super steady, mm -hmm. the gravity that, you know, the gravitational waves and the magnetic magnetosphere that's pulsing and um, around our planet, which is why you see these objects sort of wobbling and why you see them, you know, moving the way they do. Is because they are using our magnetic fields. And these magnetic fields fluctuate wildly according to sunspot activity. Uh, and we know the sun is very, you know, mercurial, I guess, changeable. Uh, so that could be another reason why these things are crashing, because it's not so darn easy to pilot a craft on use, using this type of technology. And if suddenly it's like a downdraft in a plane, mm -hmm. um, you can be flying fine. You hit a downdraft and boom, you're pressed into the ground in a matter of seconds. Uh, this continues to happen with our very advanced aircraft, despite all the fail safes we have. Right. And the same thing with them, too. Just like with, with, with our crafts, it's a matter of statistics on how, on how many are going to crash. Exactly. You know? So, so it might be the same with him. Maybe it's just a, a, you know, it's a statistic. You know, like one out of, and if there's that many zooming around the, the Earth, plus now you know you have people you know doing the CE five thing, calling you know different things into appearance, that has to also increase activity. I mean, I tried what you suggested for me to try, and and it worked, which was amazing. Yeah, that's why I still think that CE5 protocols and groups 
are one of the real cutting edge of the whole UFO field and have great, great potential. Because what we do have is many, many, many reports of people successfully doing this to have sightings. And what we don't have are many, many reports of people successfully bringing these things down to a full landing and going on board. And that's going to happen. We have moving film, we've got photographs, of these things darting around and getting low and flashing back. And the progress is amazing mm-hmm. on this front. And I think it's just a matter of time before a CE5 group, fully equipped with their cameras and their recorders, is taken on board and said, okay, <laughs> it's time. And uh, come back with evidence that's absolutely undeniable. And boy, can you imagine this press conference where this group of people says, okay, here, here's the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, that could very well happen. I think that probably will happen. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see increasing whistleblower accounts uh, where the proof is becoming better and better. We're going to see more and more successful CE5 groups. And we're going to see more aggressive UFO displays. Um, This is the type of behavior that's very well known among UFO researchers. A UFO display where they put on a show and show themselves on purpose intentionally. So these three areas, I think, are where they're kind of swirling around Mm -hmm. each other. Disclosure, open official contact, calling them down, whoosh, 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 and boom. So what do you think would happen after that? Once they oh. disclosed themselves to us, do you think they're going to stay in contact with humans? Or they're going to be like, okay, we disclosed ourselves, now we're going to move on to the next planet? Or do you think they're going to get involved with human activities in the direction that the human race is heading and try to you know, continue or really continue to push us away from self-destruction? Yeah, I'm a... Oh, I've got what I hope will happen, what I think will happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm of a couple of minds about it. I think that this will happen. I think at some point we're going to have open official contact. But when it actually occurs, I'm guessing it's not going to be the explosive world-changing event where we all have free reign of the universe and absolute free access to ET technology and so forth. I don't necessarily believe that's how it's going to go down i think they we will have absolute conclusive proof of the et presence we will have diplomatic relations and it's going to be you know perhaps a limited sort of exchange of knowledge and technology but ultimately i don't think they're going to give us the answers we have to solve our own problems i think they'll be willing to teach us and guide us and help us but it's up to us to clean our planet. It's up to us to stop warring. It's up to us to treat each other in a loving way and uh, all of these things. So I think that could very well happen. We'll have a huge contact and greed and corruption and you know the unequal distribution of wealth could end. And we'll have a new age of progress and prosperity that's unequaled in all of modern history. Mm. Um, that's what I'm 
thinking will probably happen. What I'm hoping is it's bigger than that. And that they're like, you know, all right, anyone who wants to come with us to other planets, we can put you in a society, you know, or just uh, just more of more of that sort of thing mm -hmm. where they're much more open and much more willing to help us out. I'm not so sure that would be best for us, though, because I mean, don't you want to do it yourself? You know, don't you want to figure things out? Uh, I don't know. I think one way or another, this is going to move forward. But just judging on how they've been doing it so far, I'm feeling they're going to be very cautious and do this in a very controlled and intelligent way that allows us to be ourselves and make our own decisions and be autonomous beings. Uh, but I think if they let themselves know that they're around and everyone knows like, oh my gosh, we're not alone in the universe, this will be great motivation to stop killing each other, to stop destroying our planet, to stop all this ridiculous divisiveness, which is not good for anybody. It's all fake anyway. We're all the same. And most people, I think, I truly believe this. Most people on this planet are benevolent, good, wonderful, kind people who just want to get along. I don't care what country you're from. People want the same thing. Food on their table. That's, you know, a safe environment, learning, you know, fun. Everyone just wants to have fun, music, <laughs> you know, and so forth. Learning. Um, there's no reason why we can't do this. And I think a, a major ET uh, display will help us all come together in a very friendly way. That's, that's my hope. You mentioned like the idea of them coming and being able to give us the options to go to other planets. Um, what makes me think like back to the CE5, like if we're able to use our consciousness and our intent to bring them here, do you think that we could reverse that and send ourselves there? Um, well, well, I don't see I don't see why not. Because um, apparently we do have a lot of this technology and some of these craft flying around are probably our own. Ben Rich says we're already doing it. So a number of whistleblowers have said we are going to other planets. Project Serpo mm -hmm. um, is one example. Don't know if that case is true or not, but sure is compelling when you you know read the book. Like, hmm, wow. Uh, yeah, we could do that. There's no reason. If I think if we do come together in a very peaceful way and uh, are nonviolent and uh, cooperative. Uh, there's no reason why we can't travel to the stars. Do you think we've done it in the past and forgot how? Yeah, I do. Um, this is called the fifth world. Uh, and we, everyone knows, knows, of course, about Atlantis and mm -hmm. Lemuria and Mu and all these so-called ancient civilizations. And there's really good evidence of it, of some very advanced technologies you know, they find batteries in fossils and stuff like this. And the ancient or the Vinyanas of ancient India. Mm -hmm. And you look at some of the like light bulbs and Egyptian hieroglyphs. Yeah. And that, that Colombian, pre-Columbian artifact, which shows 
what looks exactly like the shuttle. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's pretty clear there were ancient civilizations that were very advanced. And we've got, archaeologically speaking, from a geological studying standpoint, we've got areas of deserts that are glassified by what could only be an atomic explosion. Uh, so it's pretty clear that there was very advanced technology in Earth's distant past. And according to uh, some of these oral traditions from Native Americans and other cultures, uh, it's not just one civilization, but many. This is what the ETs have said, that we go through cycles. And uh, each time we've destroyed ourselves. And, and here we are doing it again. I hope we get it right this time. Uh, boy, we're on the edge of just uh, polluting our oceans. You know that garbage dump in the Pacific? <laughs> it's the, the plastic. Yeah. It's, it's as large as you know half the country. It, we have plastic matter that's basically all biological material in the ocean. We're eating our own waste. It's ridiculous. Um, we have really got to get our uh stuff together <laughs> uh, when it comes to how we treat our environment and for that matter each other uh, i think this is one of the levels of how you would gauge how advanced a society is how do you treat your elderly you know how do you treat those who are disenfranchised how do you treat your the animals people are like oh you know i'd love to meet a different species i'm like well look at your dog <laughs> that is a different species you know and we have all these different species all over our planet and how we treat them says a lot about who we are uh, i'm so glad that there's a very strong environmental movement because that's important and i think this is something the ets are all about we know this you look into first-hand et accounts they are collecting plants of all kinds. They are collecting animals of all kinds. I did a whole study of this and wrote about it in my Not From Here series of books. E.T. gardeners and alien zoos. <laughs> it's a real thing. Artie Sixkiller Clark has several cases. John Mack has all the researchers have cases where people are taken on board and shown an arboretum, a pine forest on board a UFO. Uh, you know, zoos, basically. Not zoos as we would think of them here, which are making me sad when I go there and see that poor polar bear with green fur and the lion pacing back and forth in this tiny cage. Uh, that's not how they treat animals. Uh, but it's clear that they are collecting species and have been for millennia because people have been taken on board UFOs and seen what amounts to dinosaurs or extinct creatures can you imagine going on board a ufo and seeing a velociraptor that would be incredible amazing what's going on in this field some these skeptics are gonna have their minds blown when this busts out into the mainstream scientific community and it's taught in schools we're gonna have to rewrite all our history books again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a very interesting planet we live on. It's a pretty exciting time. I that would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> I'd love to see <laughs> that. 
That'd be yep. great. Yeah, well, truth is truth, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that about truth. You can alter it, you can hide it, you can lie about it, but the truth itself is indestructible because it is what it is. And if it is true, you can't destroy it. It's going to come back at you. <laughs> Uh, it's like the waves in the ocean. Mm-hmm. They, they just you keep getting hit with the truth until you get wet with it. Mm. That's and true. The, and uh, I mean, I I hope we get to know what the truth is in our lifetime. That's that is for sure. And I hope, like you know, the work that you're doing and me having you on and the. Uh, the hundred other podcasts that you do every month and your books. I mean, you're probably one of the hardest working guys in the UFO field. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I hope it makes an impact. Yeah, I sure hope so. I'm, I'm dismayed at times because this still isn't being taught in schools when it should be. And uh, there still is a UFO cover up. Uh, yeah, we're having some more transparency, but it's, uh, I am, I'm going to keep fighting the good fight because this is an important subject and uh, it, it's just wild <laughs> to think about the potential here. Can you imagine what it would be like to have friendly relations with ETs, be able to like go awesome. to school and have a little show and tell with a gray <laughs> Or a, a Nordic ET says, here is our healing technology. Here's how we do it. Uh, so, which, there's no reason that can't happen. There's no reason we can't have a human-looking ET on the view. <laughs> and come down and talk to Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar. And all, or go on to, you know, some reality TV show do a little demonstration for us. I can see that happening, actually. (laughs) I really can. Uh, I think events have been shockingly progressive in this field. Uh, I mean, 100 years ago, it wasn't at all like what we see now. (laughs) The technology. Can you imagine living without electricity? No. Well, yeah, actually, I mean, I have for hurricanes and stuff. Yeah, but it sucked. <laughs> it's and we haven't had this technology that we're living with for very long. What what has it been? 150, 200 years where this technology has really catapulted. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when there was no internet. I when I got too. involved in this field, there were no computers. <laughs> there were just no computers. No. <gasps> I ah. Oh. That blows my mind. I, I have no idea how we got along without them. There was no color, I remember there was no color TV. Yep. <laughs> I remember when we had TV, it had like four, four channels and no remote. I remember when our channel broke, we, we had to use needle nose or pliers to yep. change the channel. <laughs> I remember and having to got... go on the roof and chain, turn the antenna on the roof. <laughs> so all this technology is exploding forth and we know this is just the tip of the iceberg because these whistleblowers are like you wouldn't believe what we got going on in the what do they call it the blue room Mm -hmm. oh i would love to get my hands 
on some of this technology just to take a look, not to exploit it. Uh, in my research into UFO healing cases, I uncovered some whistleblower accounts in which they talked about some of this healing technology that has been taken from UFOs. Oh man, oh man, it's very Star Trek-y. <laughs> we've got, apparently got these lasers that can heal wounds. We've got these devices that can slide over a person's body and holographically portray our organs and show tumors and do all kinds of anti-aging type technology. This is in human hands right now. Uh, it's just so amazing to me that we could be on the verge of having this released to the public. And because we've got all these horrible diseases we're struggling with, heart disease and you know this recent whole pandemic, uh, and all these you know, AIDS and so forth. I've got a couple of cases where ETs have cured people of AIDS, hmm. uh, which I, I wrote about. Uh, they have the ability to cure all kinds of what we would consider to be chronic diseases. And uh, apparently we have our hands on some of this technology. And the stuff, you know, the flat screens, TVs we're seeing. I talked to some military guys who are like, oh, we had those back in the 50s. I'm like, oh, my God. Our military is sitting the, on technology. But that's the way it always is. Like, like We're like 50 years behind. So, so if you and I have these computers and we're doing this now, I can't imagine what they have. Yeah, Timothy Good, in one of his books, he talks about this anti-gravity room where the, these people go in and they're floating around, just floating, floating, floating. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be so much fun. That would be I could cool. Just, I would love to just have one of those instead of, you know, they've got these rooms where you can do a sort of skydiving mm -hmm. with this fan that you get to float around the room. <laughs> uh, what if they put this anti-gravity machine and we can just do it in like Magic Mountain and boom, you get to experience anti-gravity we wouldn't need cranes anymore yeah or can, just think how it would change construction having to lift you know, or just anyone you know getting having to lift heavy objects there would be much less lower back pain in the world that's <laughs> for sure <laughs> <laughs> definitely so uh thank you for coming on and before we wrap this up where can my listeners find you and find your books? Thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. Always fun being on I love show. having you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always have a good time, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I do have a website. If you just punch my name into the internet, <laughs> um, it should take you there. PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. My latest book is Wondrous, 25 True UFO Encounters. I've got some really cool cases there, whistleblower accounts. Did it hit number board. one? I uh, came to number two, two? so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty exciting. Uh, but uh, no, I think Trinity kept me out of first place, the new book by Jacques Vallée and Paula Harris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the CE5 Handbook, uh, which is also doing really well. I'm very encouraged to see um, all the stuff that's coming out. But yeah, I got my website. I got my YouTube channel, putting up my research there. Facebook, I'm on Twitter. My books are available on Amazon. I'm really trying to reach out and 
you know, get this research out there in a way that, you know, people can access it uh, cheaply and easily or at free, if ideally. Yeah. Um, so one of these days, man, it's going to be a different world. And I'm going <laughs> to keep fighting till we get there. Good. <laughs> and, I'll keep having, and I'll keep having you on until we get there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, we will. So I will post the links to all that in the notes to this episode so my listeners can find you and buy Wondrous and get you into the number one slot. I still think <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> Very and, cool. Uh, thanks for being on. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, hang on for one moment, and I'm going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook. Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on the